Welcome to the Atlanta Football Party. I'm Jarvis Davis. Coming up on today's show, Brian McClendon is out the door. What should the dogs do? We'll tell you. That's next. This is Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it's time for the Atlanta Football Party. Only on Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. To the Atlanta football party, your home for the best Bulldogs talk. It's local insight you can't get anywhere else but right here at Locked On. I'm your host, Tanitra Batiste. Alongside me are Jarvis Davis and Brian Gephardt. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers, join today and you'll get $150 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. And of course, our Atlanta football party is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, guys, it's that time of the year, so we're going to give everybody our take on a really intriguing twist to the latest mock draft from NFL.com and more realignment smoke coming from college football just today and how we're going to react to it. We're going to talk about how that might impact the dogs. But first, there's someone who's exited Athens that may be a bigger deal than most people think. Now, guys, we got word that Georgia lost the first member of its offensive staff with the announcement that wide receivers coach Brian McClendon is departing the program after a couple seasons to take that same gig with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jarvis, what are the biggest challenges that you think losing Brian McClendon can have on this UGA program? Beyond just just the, the camaraderie and as far as the continuity, excuse me, as far as this, what this offensive staff was bringing back, because you know everybody was pretty much coming back, you know, on 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 the offensive staff, and we know yeah. how hard it is for a team like Georgia to keep everybody, you know, uh, year after year, because when you have, you know. <clears throat> when you're able to win the national championships and get the job done like they've been able to do, like people are going to pick your staff. Like Nick Saban mm-hmm. had to figure out how to do this, right? Because yes. it seemed like every year he was losing offensive coordinator or gaining an NFL coach who had got uh, banned from the NFL, you know, and, and, and was looking for a way back for in. For redemption, you know, to, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he was the redi- part of redemption tour for, for fail, NFL coaches for, for a, a, a short minute there. So I, I think that that's, that's the biggest reason, right? Especially at the time like this, spring practice getting ready to ramp up in a little bit. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, Kirby Smart gonna have to dig into his role there to kind of figure out like who's the be- who would be the best fit going forward. And Brian, when I think about the another aspect of it, in addition to having to kind of dig into the treasure trove, which isn't too difficult because, hey, that's still a prime gig, right, for anyone. That's a prime opportunity. But you also look at the wide receiver room and how that's an intriguing room because most position rooms, most position groups for UGA, they're set. Like they don't, they have an embarrassment of riches coming Mm -hmm. from high school. But in the wide receiver room, it's been interesting. They've got more of their guys, like Dominic Lovett as an example, they've got more of their guys through the transfer portal who've really given them that kind of high level success or that top flight receiver. How do you think this might impact uh, what they're doing from a recruiting perspective or who uh, comes into that wide receiver room? Yeah, it's going to take a hit initially just because BMAC's one of those guys that's got such a good relationship uh, with all sorts of different people. He's really well uh, loved and beloved in that program. He's got really strong ties to Georgia. And congrats on him for for getting what, even though it's like a sidestep, going up into the NFL and, and having that same spot is, is, is going to be great for him. Um, but I think what's interesting about this opening is 
there's another gear to go up for UGA and the wide receiver room. And we've talked about it a little bit here uh, over the last couple of weeks in terms of that's the one of the spots where they can get that next level person. Like someone can come in here and turn that up one more notch. I think it's just tough with the timing of it being in late mm-hmm. February and a lot of the yeah. staff filled out. And now you had, you know, the NFL come and grab BMAC from it. It's okay. Right. So did they go with someone that they have internally? Do they go with, you know, a retread, which is one of those things where people perceive as a, as a negative thing. Do they go with someone that's tied close to the program? I, but I do think it's a, it's a really important uh, hire right now, as far as assistant coaches go. And, and to add to kind of what you talk about that relationship, BG, mm-hmm. you, you saw the effect that uh, McClendon had on Anthony Evans, right? He, he kind of made a name for himself in the mm-hmm. postseason SEC championship with the punt return. And, of course, an Orange Bowl being able to catch his first touchdown. Like I, I feel like the bowl games are now kind of introducing you to next year's squad, you know, for the most part, because so many guys sit out and everything. Like, And I think Evans was a guy that kind of caught my eye, you know, with the speed, the groundbreaking speed, the speed that he has. And I, I, those are some of the things that you that, that can be a loss for you. But, you know, you hopefully Kirby brings in a guy that can reestablish that relationship and you continue to see guys like Evans grow. So, Jarvis, now the question becomes this. We talk about an embarrassment of riches quite often from the perspective of players, but I feel like there's an embarrassment of riches even within the pool of coaching resources that Kirby Smart has. You think about the departure of the special teams coordinator, and before ink can get on, could get on paper, as you know, we would say old school, the announcement was made, oh, yeah, we replaced him, and we promoted this guy. Oh, and somebody else parted ways, and we're good. We've got a replacement there, too. So I feel like they could very well go internally. But who do you see, whether internal or external, who might be an ideal fit for this role? I want y'all to remember this name. His name is Jimmy Smith. Nope, I'm not talking about the wide wide receiver in the NFL. Jimmy Smith used to be head coach at at Cedar Grove. I I got a chance to know him over the years. He played ball with a a friend of mine who um, who played down at Tennessee State University. This dude is connected. He's the associate head coach up there at Arkansas with uh, Sam Pittman. He, he's right. He's his right-hand man when it comes to recruiting. And Jimmy is known all over the conference as far as being an excellent recruiter, uh, an excellent position coach. And I think that that would be the number one guy that I feel that uh, Kirby would go after because when you think about guys being connected, right, we understand – you know, and knowing the the Georgia high school football landscape because yeah. it's different. It's different than anywhere across the country. Indeed. It's probably one of the best recruiting grounds that, you know, obviously Kirby Smart has been able to take advantage of. So I feel a guy that is in tune. Um, he was at, he was at down at Cedar Grove from 2007, 2018. He was a head coach for six years. And those and look at how many state championships those guys are able to pull off. So when you are, you know, housing those guys and getting those guys in the school, you establish relationships with other coaches. And you're able to go and know how to talk to those guys, get them to come to your school. And I think that everybody could understand that, hey, Georgia can probably get some more guys in there at their wide receiver position to be a little bit more productive. And I think Jimmy will be able to do that. And Brian, when we think about the challenges of recruiting and how that has chased off coach after coach after coach, including most recently the head coach of Georgia State right here in our backyard, Sean mm-hmm. Elliott. You, it would be good to have someone like a Jimmy Smith who could come in and help to shore up that recruiting and, dare I say, even retention piece because that's the other piece of it these days. Recruiting is one thing, getting, getting them in the door, but keeping them there is a totally different ball game. So you kind of want someone who, and I, just knowing that reputation of Jimmy Smith as well, someone who could be like a Jimmy Smith that, could, that has a reputation of being able to build, not just create, but maintain and sustain relationships. 
Yeah, Jimmy Smith, that that he's the name at the top of the list for me too. So I'm so glad. As soon as you said it, I was like, yes, I'm so glad you brought that <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Which is that I was just, like, yeah, yeah. It's that recruiting tie know. to the Atlanta area. And the, and it's like oh, that's the biggest thing for him. I mean, we you talk about relationships, that's the thing. Because the other names that you're gonna hear, you know, internally, it's really Brandon Streeter, who's a quality control analyst. I'm not sure if he's ready for kind of that type of move quite yet he could be that's a that's a kirby decision and then the other ones and it's sort of like it's sort of a lazy thing we do sometimes in terms of all right who's a former player that used to you know so you hear heinz ward's name every time right i don't think that's going to happen joe cox is a name uh that that could potentially the former quarterback he's actually the tight end coach right now at old miss he coached with Bobo in the past as well, so he's a name that you're going to hear. Terrence Edwards, who is an assistant coach at Milton, uh, who I believe they just won a state championship, and now he's uh, got an opportunity to be a head coach at Mount Vernon. He's the other name. Yeah. And then you got, like we were saying, uh, I was saying before, like retre- like a retread name. James Coley has been brought up too, but yeah. none of those names, honestly. I mean, uh, kudos to what they did while they were at the school and, and what careers they had. But Jimmy Smith, I think, would be a perfect, perfect fit uh, for this position and this opening. I think that would be a slam dunk hire at this point in the game. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And, and I think that goes back to also what we we're talking about with receivers, you know, and and being able to pull them out from the high school ranks as opposed to – and, again – Georgia has an embarrassment of riches in terms of receivers who've dropped in their laps out of the portal. So no complaints with what you have, but imagine if you bring them into your system from day one and you're able to really, really help them to flourish with your philosophy. I mean, how awesome would that be? And of course that would then make it a little bit more, it it would be an easier cycle that next go around because now you're talking, here's a freshman, here's what this guy came in and did, you know, as a freshman, or here's what this guy did as a freshman. And then in his sophomore year, here's how we improved him. Hey, don't even go to another school. Come right here, start your career here, and let us build you into an NFL-ready wide receiver. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about some interesting things that we see. You know, it's that season, list season, draft, mock draft season, blah, blah, blah. But when the dogs have a different When the dogs are there, it's a different take on it. So we'll talk about it when we come back on the other side. All right, guys, our Locked On Atlanta Football Party Dogs Edition is brought to you by Fandle. So let's think about this. We are post-NFL, post-football, but you know it's coming right back, right? Because we've got Combine next week. But in the meantime, we also have a lot going on in the NBA space. It's going to be a quiet couple days, and of course, they are coming back from their all-star break to hit the final third, technically third of the season. So you know what? You can get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 bet. That's 150 bucks if your bet wins. Now you can bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. So we are now... Back here in Atlanta, Trey Young has returned from Indianapolis. He'll have a game on Friday against the Raptors. You might want to make a little bet there to see, is Trey going to go logo Trey on it? Is he going to go with his 27 and 11, which is what he's been averaging this past season, this season so far, points and assists? You want to bet on it? You can do that. You want to make a same game parlay? You can do that too. And exclusive prop bets and more like the logo, whether or not he'll hit a three from the logo could be one of them. 
Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's where you can shoot your shot. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Go ahead and shoot your shot with FanDuel, the official sports book partner of the NBA. So, guys, it's always interesting to me when we're at this point of the season, right? Because you'll have situations where every day somebody is dropping their mock draft but I thought this one was an interesting one right at that time of the year right so we like to react to them like just have a little bit of fun with them but thought it was interesting when you kind of look at one of the more recent uh, mock drafts from NFL.com and kind of look at where some of the dogs landed so I'll go let's just start here let's start with the first round and let's kind of react to each round and whether or not you think that players position properly if you do tell me why if you don't tell me where you think they should be starting with you bg nfl.com their draft their most recent draft mocks had uh number five brock bowers being picked rather at number five going to the chargers and they had javon bullard picked at 31 going to the 49ers thoughts yeah, so Brock Bowers at five makes so much sense to me, and it's actually good to see a, a mock draft kind of go back to that because in a lot of different ones that you look across the board, he's been dropping to 15 through 20, yeah, yeah. kind of down in that range. And I don't know if that's a, <laughs> hey, maybe don't what happened with Kyle Pitts and him getting drafted real high because people in general are kind of a, timid of drafting those tight ends. Oh, that game. But I think, man, when, when, when Jim Harbaugh takes a look at him and they know that they need another weapon to put with Justin Herbert. I, I think yeah. that's an ideal. I, I feel like that's the range in where he should go. And mm-hmm. I also feel like that's an ideal fit for him because as good as Keenan Allen's been over the years, he's not getting any younger, you know, and right. that rest of that receiving core can't stay healthy. You also have Austin Eckler is going to be uh, moving on to the next phase. I don't even know if he's going to get signed by anybody this off season. If he is, it's going to be as a backup. So I, I just mm-hmm. think that, you know, Brock Bowers could go to the Chargers and he could be there for 10 plus years, especially given uh, Justin Herbert's age. So I like that a lot. And then Bullard, um, I think event, I think Bullard will actually go into the second round. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's an awesome fit for him if he gets the opportunity to play with the team like the 49ers. I think that's an incredible chance. But I think ultimately he winds up going earlier in the second round. Yeah. And it's interesting because when I think about uh, uh, Brock Bowers, one of the things that I saw trending yesterday might be the answer to that question, Malik Neighbors. <laughs> that might be why <laughs> Brock Bowers, because now apparently the Chargers are kind of, he's piqued their interest. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think that would be a great fit for him as well. And I'm sure Justin Herbert would agree. Yeah, I think one of the things that that, that kind of stands out to me, like that was one of the guys that I kind of tabbed is far as building off of what he did at the senior bowl, Javon Bullard, that is, because we know that he was voted the top deep safety down there, you know, by his peers, the guys he was going up against. They were like, hey, I like what this dude is bringing to the table. And we already understand what he's already put on tape as far as being able to be that ball hawk type guy, like knowing, just really keying in on what the team is doing, his opposing team is doing, and, and be able to take advantage of that throughout the game and be able to pick and choose his spots. That's how you know a guy is like a really, really in depth into studying, studying, studying his opponents, and I think that that's going to help him out. However, it depends on whether what he runs, because we know the forty time is the money maker. <laughs> these runs are four five, four four type of forty. We already know where, where he's he's going to be in that first round. And I feel like that for sure because a lot of times when you you look at 
that the tape and then kind of go to the combine. Sometimes people value them more, more so. And they, a lot of times people get in trouble valuing the, the times and the numbers and then all that stuff getting mm-hmm. all bogged down with that in the combine. And they, they try to go back and try to see if they can confirm those times on tape. And with Javon Bullard, I don't, I don't think you have to do that. I feel like he already has what he needs on tape. It's just a matter of him being able to confirm that 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 knowledge with that speed. Because if you get that forty time down, I really feel like he'll be he'll be well on his way into the first round for sure. Yeah, yeah. So you kind of see the combine as an opportunity to BG's point for Brock Bowers to reiterate, like, no, 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 I'm that guy. I'm that top five guy. I don't belong middling in the first round. And for Javon Bullard to maybe even secure his place of maybe sneaking into the backside of the first round, worst case scenario, maybe the second round. And and I, I definitely think that's viable. Certainly we'll be taking a look to see exactly where they land myself. And then you kind of look at round two, and that's where you get Kamari Lasseter going to the Titans at 38, um, Amarius Mims to the Steelers. I'll fight you. I will fight you if you try to fight me. And then at number 51, you come for me, and I didn't send for you two. I'm letting you know. You're not fight me. And then Lions would get Lad McConkey at 61. All right, Jarvis. I'm ready for you. What are your thoughts? So I think – I disagree because here's the thing. Amarius Mims is a first round talent. I'm sorry. I know. I he, know. He's I a know. first round talent. There's like, because think about it because we, <laughs> there's some exceptional talent at the tackle position, right? And a lot of those guys are probably going to go top 12. You're talking about Joe Alt, Olu Fashanu, and JC Latham. Like those guys are going to go in the top 12. So when you yeah. think about a team middling around at the back end of that first round who, gonna have, who has a need for tackle, and, and when yeah. you're talking about how this guy coming into the season, he was a first-round talent. You saw him play this year. He showed flashes that, hey, he's a first-round talent. So, that yeah, guy, yeah. I, I wholeheartedly believe that if those three guys that I mentioned go in that top 12 on the back half, somebody's going to sneak up and, and, and go get and draft Mims for sure. Yeah. But do you think that, that that Mims falling to that kind of middling of the second round is more about the injury concerns than anything? Because obviously it ain't the talent. Hands down, you know, hands I, down. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Him so and I, McConkey. That's why I feel like McConkey right, might right. not go first because of yeah. He runs a four three. Yeah. Somebody gonna fall in love, but I don't know if they, they're gonna put jump him up to the first round because he's a first round talent. But right. yeah, the injury concerns always gonna push, they're gonna push him down. Yeah. Especially when you talk about going to combine and then going through all those medical checks with the doctors and everything. So everybody gonna have their own med, medical doctors and they can be like, okay. What, what what does it look like? How is this guy going forward in the NFL? And are we going to be looking to invest in him or are we going to move on to the next guy? Right. And it could be, Brian, because, you know, in, in that, that situation where we're talking about a Brock Bowers kind of showing improving at the combine may take a little bit longer for Lab McConkey. It may end up being even a pro day where he really, you know, has to seal his fate. Because, I mean, sometimes that just happens. We'll, we'll kind of see. And I think, Brian, that's kind of a layer or an asterisk, if you will, that we put really there for any of these guys coming off for recovery. Like, are they really going to be their 100% selves next week? Or are we really, really going to see the, t- the tail of the tape for their pro day? Yeah, no, all those things are, are very important. The Georgia Pro Day is one of those. It's like a mini combine. And it stuff. is. I was going to say, no, it like, is a combine. Me, <laughs> there. All the coaches, you know, your head coaches right there, there. The OCs there, the DCs there. So <gasps> it's always funny, too, when you're like, seven people from the Patriots have showed up in Athens. Right. <laughs> so, um, yes, remember that, Brian? Literally, oh, it was yeah. like, 
a whole coaching staff showed up for a damn pro day. I still haven't seen, I've seen very few people in this world look at the way, uh, look at Roquan Smith the way Bill Belichick did that day when he came for that that pro day. He was like, he was eat him. He was running the drills. Belichick was running the drills there for it. So when you have the head coach, like, hey, let me let me take this over for a second. Um, but Jarvis, too, you you nailed it with Mims. I, I think he's the guy who get, gets up in that first round. And I think yeah. I have these names: Kamari Lasser, Mar, uh, Mims, and Lad McConkey. Those th- I think two of those three actually wind up bouncing into the first round, and Bowler drops mm. into the second round. Uh, Lasseter is another guy that combine is going to be really really big for. I, yes. Again, but yes. when you talk about the fit. The Titans secondary has been brutal for years. So any yeah. anybody, any quality football player that yeah. they can get back there, they they really need it right now. Uh, I just think the hype's going to go through the roof with Lad McConkey. I really do with with um, you know the forty times he runs and all the other explosive measurements like the shuttle and the splits and and all of that. People are going to just be oh okay, he can do this now. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. going to get. It's almost going to get to a point where it's going to be over. You know, like overhyped in the in the sense of like Lad McConkey could go top fifteen. It's like all right, slow down on that. You know what I mean? Slow like let's not do that. <laughs> right. But we're going to have one or, I, we're going to have one or two articles next week that say could Lad McConkey be the fourth wide receiver off the board? And it's like not yeah. not quite. But um, but yeah, Mims I think winds up going in the first round just given that run on offensive tackles that we are going to have. Yeah, early yeah. on that in the first round. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and. That's exactly what I was going to mention as well. A lot of it is also dictated by the runs. And if we see the wh- how we think it's going to chunk out with the QBs, with the O-linemen, and then with the edge rushers, I mean, that, that probably is going to dictate a lot of it as well. So we shall see. It's going to be interesting. And, of course, we know that there are going to be a slew of dogs that are expected to go round three. Really no dogs expected not to go or to, to be there, honestly beyond the second day, which I think is is really amazing. Cedric Van Pran Granger uh, was actually slated for uh, the Cowboys, uh, Tyke Smith, Kendall Milton, Dejon Edwards, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint. We're going to be having some serious conversation for those first couple of days of that NFL Absolutely. draft. So, yes. well, and speaking of some serious conversation and some interesting conversation, there always seems to be smoke coming out of college football. All I can say is the Atlanta football party is here for the for the petty, and we're going to bring it back to you on the other side. All right, guys, this episode of our Atlanta football party is also brought to you by LinkedIn. Now, hey, the three people on this particular podcast, we like our jobs. So we wouldn't necessarily be looking for jobs, but you might be in the neighborhood looking for a position, or you may be some company, an organization, a small business that's looking for good quality employees like us as well. And that is where LinkedIn would come in to save the day for you. LinkedIn jobs is actually a really neat concept because you can find those quality professionals really quickly. It's not like your basic job board. There's a network of a billion professionals like us, like you, that LinkedIn will take advantage of, which makes it the best place to hire. And if you're a small business, check this out. 86% of small businesses say they get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Those are some pretty good odds, if I do say so myself. LinkedIn knows small businesses are wearing so many hats, so the purpose for them is to find you the right candidate and make it an easy process for you. Two and a half small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring, and you should too. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. C-O-L-L-E-G-E to post 
your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. And remember, LinkedIn does all the work for you to make the process easy and intuitive. So guys, just as we were getting ready to come on air, we get the news that there is a little bit of a shakeup, a remix, whatever it is that you want to call it in college football. The college football playoff board of managers unanimously approved a model that will guarantee the five highest ranked conference champions inclusion in the expanded 12 team field this fall, along with the next seven highest ranked teams. That announcement coming out just moments before we went to air after months of delaying about the dwindling of the Pac-12, will they, won't they, will they, won't they, what will happen? The vote had to be unanimous for the 5 plus 7 format to be approved, and it was. So this is an interesting kind of turn of events because obviously we're still kind of wrapping our minds around what that 12-team playoff is going to look like. How is that going to change from what we've seen in the past uh, 15 years or so? And now we're getting a little bit more definition around that. What are you guys' thoughts on the announcement from that board of managers about what this format will look like? So for me, I, I think it's uh, I think it's a solid solution um, coming up, coming up with what it is. I'm very curious to see how they go about the the seven teams outside of the five. I think the five will wind up being kind of easy. And they actually mm -hmm. intentionally kind of put in the language of they might be able to put one of the group of five teams in front of the four big conference champion teams kind of referencing what happened with Cincinnati in 2021 yes. is Pitt won the ACC that year with two losses. So, um, you know, if you have a really good group of five team, they can actually get one of those first round buys. So it's funny because it is almost like it should be like four plus one plus seven, the way that they have this thing set up because right. the <laughs> buy, right. You know, and then the fifth team is like, okay, who's going to be the fifth team. And then if yeah. you're that power five team that found a way to win your conference when you shouldn't have, you find up, you want, you wind up hosting a game. Um, and that's going to be the really fun part to me is those first teams getting, getting to host, um, which is good. I, I just think those matchups are, are going to be really good. So I think it's a good solution. I'm really excited about it. I wish, as a Georgia guy, that this happened last year, that would have been really nice <laughs> to be able to figure that out. Um, so with uh, Georgia wind up probably being in that five or six spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's going to yeah. be really interesting because it's just like you mentioned, BG, like when, when Georgia, this is advantage Georgia. Like this. Yes, almost, that's what I, I thought like too. This format, this yep, format that's almost exactly what I thought. Them up yeah. Spot place, we, yeah. Yeah, because you think about what that schedule looks like, right? You're on the road against Ole Miss, on the road against mm -hmm. Alabama, and you mm -hmm. open it up with Clemson, you know, all, and if people want to throw Kentucky in there, I'm not necessarily scared of that. <laughs> you know, they, they throw Kentucky in there every year for some strange reasons. It's like, all right, Kentucky, okay, but this is Georgia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. so. I'm, I'm we'll gonna, continue uh, to entertain it. Yeah, yeah, okay, I, I entertain it, you know, whatever. I right, but, but I think overall, you're talking about a, a one or two lost Georgia team pretty much guaranteed to get in, yeah. you know, even if they do slip up in, in one of those matchups, even they do slip up against Clemson to start the season, open up the season. So all of those things gets coming into play. You just look at it from standpoint of like, all right, Kirby's probably like, yep, we're going to be in this thing. <laughs> and as yeah. long as we're in, we have a doggone chance. <laughs> so I got two questions for you guys before we wrap up, but that one was my main one. I was thinking to, to, the, the same thing as you guys, Advantage Georgia. And I'm thinking to myself as well, though, Brian and, and, and Jarvis as well, when we look at what happened, the egregiousness of Georgia not having the opportunity to play for that, that national title last year, do you feel like 
that influenced this as well? I, I feel like that at least if, and, and when I say influence, doesn't mean that it wasn't up for conversation or up for discussion, because I'm sure when the college football playoff committee decided to expand to 12, they'd already thought a step or two ahead. But I feel like that was so egregious. And on some level, Florida State, but just to a lesser extent, and for a lesser reason, by the way. But I feel like maybe that had some influence too. I feel like it worked out perfectly for college football, just in the sense of this was already in the works and was probably going to happen. But then they can look and go, here's the problem. We fixed it immediately. Yes, look at us. We fixed the problem. (laughs) We complained about the BCS for years and all sorts of different formats and all these things. And this is the first time in a very long time that I can remember, all right, we had a problem here with Georgia and FSU not getting in or should they have been in or what it could have, should have. And then they both would easily have been in going yes. into next year. So it's like, look, we fixed it right away. And they just kind of got lucky in that sense. right? Yeah. Where it was just, okay. And it's, the, it's again, it's the first time in forever. I can remember college football going, Oh, here's a problem that popped up, which we knew was probably going to happen at some point, but here it is. And we already have the solution. We, we were working on it. We promise. So, yeah. you know um, yeah, I think it works out really well in that way. And I also and, think Jarvis, Oh, go ahead, Jarvis. No, I was just going to say, I was just like, and then here's another issue that going on with college football play, college football, that the NCAA had nothing to do with fixing. <laughs> yep, you like, must have been. You're in my you know mind, Robert. You're in my head. Like, Notice, I said, like, congratulations, co- college football committee. Like, <laughs> look what we did. Never nope. said NCAA. Yes, look what we did because you. Like, what do y'all did. do? So, Jarvis, to your point, it literally <laughs> made them insignificant. It, it as if the the Even alliance more. that was announced a couple of right. weeks ago between the SEC yep. and the Big Ten did not minimize i mean they're almost like who's a pushing for a bigger right cut now. by the way they're pushing yeah. for a bigger cut big 10 sec are pushing for a bigger cut of the the money that's distributed you know yeah. throughout the for the college football playoffs so and understand it's coming it's coming it's yeah. coming too. yeah it's coming the other thing i wanted to ask you guys before we wrap up was as you look into the onset of texas and oklahoma coming you also think about that as a possibility for them as well obviously we know that it was georgia that was kind of on the outside looking in but those are two powerhouse programs that are coming into the sec that may not be in position to win the sec championship either but may have played a heck of a year and may deserve that opportunity to get into that 12 as well and so it even opens up as the sec kind of bolsters itself and gets even stronger it opens as opens it up for those newbies to make some noise too yeah 100 percent. i'm actually really curious you know that with with this sec big 10 alliance and them being the two really super conferences in here yes. how many of these seven teams these seven extra teams mm-hmm. are going to be from the sec and the big 10 like you know what i mean are we going to get is this basically going to be an sec yep. Big Ten Invitational with the other Remember at large situation? (laughs) You start to look around like who else from the ACC would have made it this year? Right. Nobody, you know? And then you you look at the SEC, it's probably four, five, six teams. And then you probably have three from the Big Ten at least, if not four. So uh, I'm just, I'm really interested to see the breakdown of that over the first couple of years. And I'm trying to link those conferences as well, you know, because they're the ones with all the power. And guess who's going to have a whole lot of fun with this? The Atlanta football party, because it is, it's going to make, and and I think as we wrap up, I think it's going to make the season. College football is interesting because oftentimes if you're going to lose, you definitely want to lose at the beginning of the season, but it makes it intriguing because 
on the one hand, it's like, nope, you still don't want to lose. But on the other hand, it also gives you the opportunity, maybe, that if you have to take that one unfortunate loss, all is not lost with the world. And I think that is a win ultimately for the college football fan. We appreciate you guys for stopping by the Atlanta football party, your home for the best Georgia Bulldogs football talk. Like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we're free and available wherever you download your podcast. Make sure you come back tomorrow for the Atlanta basketball party.